Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murray. Underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! season, Earl Pro Monroe and Gus Johnson and Wes Unsell, they're all on the All-Star team. Earl's on the All-Star team, but Clyde doesn't make it that year because, as you said, he didn't really get his shot till that trade, and it really took off for him. The Bullets get the number one seed. So the Celtics for the first time, and the Sixers, obviously, Wilt just got traded. So the Sixers and the Celtics, well, the Sixers are a little bit worse, but they're the second seed. The Celtics barely make the playoffs. The Baltimore Bullets get the number one seed with their MVP rookie, Wes Unseld, and then, of course, their big three. Kevin Lawfrey, who we haven't even mentioned, uh, is the fifth guy on this team, starter. 22 points a game this season. And so they played the Knicks in round one, but the reason why I don't want to spend too much time on this series is because Gus Johnson got hurt. He missed the whole series, and the Knicks swept them, wiped them off the floor. Um, any any memories of this series? I mean, yeah. My, my memories of this series was that that, you know, I think everybody knew that without Gus Johnson, it was going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be the series that everybody thought it would. He was that important a player in his battles with Dave DeBusher. Oh, my God. I just looked at Dave DeBusher's stats for the series. I'm going to let you finish, but oh, my God. Well, I did too today when we were going to do this, and he just went nuts because they didn't have anybody to play him, and he just dominated, the, you know, he just dominated. But the Gus Johnson-Dave DeBusher matchup was probably the most physical nasty not nasty in a bad way but i mean these guys got after it man they got really, at it man it was unbelievable both 66 230 67 uh super stud athletes super strong neither give an inch and they just got after it man i mean it was it was insane so when he didn't play it really took a lot of shine off the series and the Knicks took him out i mean they they yeah. really cuz earl earl was kind of on his own and he started mm-hmm. doing all his one on one stuff and you're not going to do that against a, a team yeah. like the Knicks. No, and the Knicks no just, they, they took they took them. So um, yeah. they swept them, and, uh, and the it Knicks. Was, it was pretty easy. Go on to lose in the conference finals to the Celtics. Oh, now hang on one second. My bad. If, if Frazier doesn't get hurt, oh, and, and and mess up his groin, they beat the Celtics. You're confident about that? I am completely confident about that. There was the same team that rolled it the next year. They were ready. They were there. And and I, I think they beat the Celtics. I, I really do. And 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 Bill Russell has alluded to that. I read something recently, a book that goes back to that year. And he said, he goes, look, injuries are part of the game. He goes, we've had guys hurt. We had guys hurt that series. He said, but Frazier, the way he was playing, uh, you know, had he played, he said it might have been a different series. And if Russell says well, that. It might have been a different series. Yeah. Well, yeah. But Russ, what he meant was we lose. I mean, mm. we might have lost. A different series means there's only one difference. You either win or lose. <laughs> For sure. For sure. It's uh, win or lose. And they, the Knicks played them really, really tough. And, and Clyde had some huge games. Uh, and uh, anyway, so that's from a Knicks fan perspective. Maybe they weren't ready. I think they were ready. They were younger, faster, deeper. Um, they didn't have a bench, 
But anyway, so they, they lost to the Celtics, and then they really wanted it the next year. Yeah. So that, that bullet series, just for reference, Frazier averaged 20 and a half points, seven rebounds, and 13 assists. David Busher, 21 yeah. points and 17 and a half rebounds, which is absurd nope. for the series. No, Crazy. no Gus Johnson. No, no, yeah, nobody boxing. Yeah. And then Willis Reed, 28 points, 15 rebounds on 51% shooting against the MVP. So pretty commanding. But as you said, they lost to the Celtics. Celtics would go on to win the championship and get Russell, send him off into the sunset a winner. But then the 70 season, I've already done a bunch of content on the 70 Knicks. What an iconic team. You finally had to Busher from the start of the season. Just was an iconic season for New York. Um, the Bullets were still very good, though. For whatever reason, though, Wes Unseld and, and Pearl didn't make the All-Star team that year, but Gus did. That was really weird to me that Tom Van Arsdale made it over Pearl. Um, I don't think he was considered better at that time, was he? No, I think Pearl no. was hurt a little bit that year. I think that was injuries. Okay. I'd have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure he was injured on and off. Um, but I, I'm not sure about that. I think so. I mean, he was clearly a better player than Tom Van Arsdale. It's not even yeah. worth discussing. So – they met again, same seeding, but flipped. The Knicks are now the one seed, and the Bullets are the third seed. But Gus is healthy, and they yep. take the series all the way to seven games. Um, I guess I'll go to Doc uh, here. Um, any memory of this series? Uh, Knicks come out victorious in game seven, but it's a this one was a battle. This was a battle. It was, for, for me, it was that, that game seven, um, the block. I mean, you know, Unsell comes out and makes the, the no, no, no. Block. no that's you, the next I think year. you're going one year too early. I mean, oh, what, oh, oh where, where were you? Where are you? 1970. Yeah. So next, oh, this is special, zero. special New York season. Second, this is the second round, semifinals. I'm sorry. Okay, you can remember you in '70. Yeah, you can still talk about this even though you lost. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to avoid it. Right. I know you are. Seventy was the fact that it went seven games, and most of them were competitive. The um, the 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 things that stood out for me are when it went into overtime. I think that was in game one. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Mad Dog, Mad Dog Carter jumped like he was David Thompson and pinned one to the glass. I think on Barnett. And yes. they did. Yes, they did not call. Everybody's going goaltending, goaltending. You're in the guard. This goaltending, and Manny Rudolph says nope. And uh, and the game goes on. The other thing that stood out for me was, I believe it was game three. Um, game three, if I'm right, it was in the garden though, and the bullets won in the garden. I think they were alternating. They were down two nothing in the series at that time. Yeah, Correct. and and unselled with right. berserk. On sel, I think he got. I think he got maybe twenty points or something like that. Oh my god! Like I, I, I'm looking at the stats he, right now. He I have got thirty-four boards. <laughs> yeah. Twenty-three and thirty-four. Yes, twenty. And, and I remember that's against Willis Reed and David Bush. Unreal. And out rebounded the whole Nick squad. So um, those are the two big things that stand out for me in that series that I never forgotten. So I yeah, guess I'll flip I, it to yeah. My bad, Fabian. Go for it. No, no, I'm, I just wanted to ask because going back to what you guys were saying, they, the, the five starters were primarily playing back then. The bench really didn't play still, or the Knicks kind of introduced the whole team concept, like the way they revolutionized team ball one through eight. Now you have well, yeah. Unsell grabbing 34 rebounds. I don't think that happens today. And, <laughs> like, it, does that have to do with the fact that he, he had to play that many minutes in the playoffs? He played 41 minutes in that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're going to play pretty much the whole game there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little different, too. you got to remember, there's no three-pointer. So you don't get a lot of long rebounds. Yeah. 
I think it's really important to know there's a lot of shots being put up back then too. The pace is so fast. Oh yeah. A ton ton of shots, but not a lot of long rebounds. And so Mm -hmm. most of the rebounds are around the basket and, you know, centers guarded the other center. So they, they rarely ventured out too far. You didn't have a lot of double teams. They weren't going out on the court to double anybody with the big man. So they're really in the paint, you know, most of the time. And so you're in a lot more position to get a lot more rebounds at that time. Similar to um, at least the most uh, underrated center of all time, he escaped my mind right now. The Houston Rockets. He went to the Moses Philly. Malone. Popo, Moses Malone. That's how he got his rebounds as well. Like the little, the little short. Offensive Off yeah. right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, here, and here's another one that's interesting. Yeah. The thing that I remember about this series, and I went back and looked at it, and it proved to be true. These guys were. This was a big rivalry, and these guys were pros. And if you got embarrassed in one game. Guys would come back. Oh, yeah. Turn it up. And so I looked this up because I remember as a kid when Unsell did that and it was in the garden. And I was going to go. Yeah, Thanks for the segue. I was going to go there next. Those yes, sir. Insane, insane stat line right here. Right. We thought we had the series, right? We thought we're up 2 nothing. We're at home. It's over. Now, I was a kid. I didn't realize it's never, it's not over. And sure enough, Unsell did his thing. They then won the next game. Mm. Pearl the Pearl went off in game four. 34, 34. points. Yeah. And so now it's 2-2, and we're back at the Garden, and Willis Reed, who had been embarrassed by what Unsell did in the Garden, uh, and is about as proud a man as has ever played basketball, goes 36 and 36. Yes, he went berserk. Yeah, on 14 oh. for 26 shooting in 45 minutes. I'm looking at it right now. Yep. 34 rebounds in, in my house. I got 36. Yep. 36 um, and 36. Could you imagine if we had film of this, Fabian? Could you imagine? That it, thir- that that sound what? That sounds like somebody video did. game. That's video if game. You, yeah, if you against, had against West Sunsell. Yeah. Now oh, I look. Oh, so you said tw- you didn't say twenty-five minutes. No, forty-five oh. minutes. Knicks oh. out rebound bullets, eighty-seven to fifty to win one hundred and one yeah. to eighty and take a three-two lead. I wrote I this down. Then, yeah, the Knicks were really you know they were known as a great defensive team. They played team defense, and uh, I looked it up. I didn't know the, the bullet shot 24% for the game. Wow. They had guys go like two for 12, one for, I think Gus Johnson was one for 14. I mean, it was one of those games where you just can't hit anything. And Willis was on a mission. He had been embarrassed and there was just no way. And so 36 and 36 as a kid, you know, statistics were not that important then. Um, you just they didn't trumpet them like they did. Now you looked at it and you moved on. But that one that caught everybody's eye. That was like really, okay. it should. even yeah. even that stat line. Will Chamber always it was well, just like that. I mean, yeah, I mean that one did. But I'm just saying in general, like they didn't talk about Clyde had a bunch of triple doubles. They didn't even have that term then. Yeah, so you didn't even right. you literally didn't know because the box score, the way they wrote it, you wouldn't even see it. So guys were getting triple doubles. You didn't even know about it because they didn't think about that then. They weren't like it's just like oh he played a great game, he had a lot of assists, and scored a lot of points. And then you look back, you're like, oh, 26, 11, and 17. Okay, triple-double. And I looked it up, and he had quite a few of them. Um, yeah. So, to me, that series was a real, you know, you get embarrassed, you're going to come back. And then Gus Johnson did it in game six. So sure did. had gotten the better of him. And Gus Johnson in Baltimore said the series is not over. <laughs> 31, and, 31 points, 14 rebounds. Right. So, you know, guys were stepping up and, and, uh, and doing what they needed to do. Uh, that that series, I, I just remember going back and forth like that after that first two games. It was like, uh oh, 
and, and luckily we had game seven at home. So one one thing I realized too is I don't know if it was Willis that said this. I think it was Willis actually in the book that I read that he wrote or yeah, co-wrote. Um he said no, not that one, it was the one with Pepe. <laughs> it was it was it was Willis Reed's own book. Um and he's saying that he felt that after they beat the Bullets, because they matched up perfectly. I mean, we talked about it. Monroe, uh, Frazier, Marin Bradley, Reed, Unseld, Johnson, DeBusher, and, and Lawfrey Barnett. And he said that once they felt like they beat the Bullets, they knew they were going to beat Milwaukee in the conference finals. And, they, um, and, and, and Reed matched up so well against uh, Kareem. Kareem. He did. Because, he did. Because, of the, because he was so physical, he was so much stronger than young Kareem, who was very thin, and he had that jumper. Yeah. And uh, it was just, you know, styles make fights. And this was a style thing. You know, he was the perfect matchup for Kareem at the time. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, I think they were very confident against uh, young Kareem. Uh, and he was young Kareem. So, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> that was his rookie year. And we were lucky rookie to year. his rookie year because it got ugly after that. Yeah. Um, oh, in game yeah. seven, you guys beat the Bullets pretty handedly, wire to wire, beat him by 13. Um, yeah. And then obviously went on to win the championship. As you guys saw in Time Machine episode three, I got game seven, Knicks Lakers. Um, Willis Reed, heroics, Clyde Frazier, heroics Clyde. in game seven. Um, That's and then so game. coming off the next season, coming to the next scene, the final one for this episode, 71, Knicks are riding on a high. Clyde's confidence is through the roof. I, I don't need to talk. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already, hey. already gave him a snippet. Hey, I hey, did, Doc, I did. I yeah. No, go ahead, Doc. Doc. No. I was gonna I was I was gonna ask Doc because all these guys, so in 71. They don't have the full all-star game on YouTube, but Clyde, Willis, uh, Anseld, Monroe, these guys were all all-stars again, Gus as well. But for whatever reason, th so the Knicks finished number one, number one seed, but the yeah. Bullets were only 42 and 40, which was weird. Yeah. But they – I think you could – at least for me doing this timeline, I think they're the second-best team in the East just off their talent, what they've done the last couple of years because I don't buy that – Boston, Atlanta, or who was the team that finished above them this year was um, uh, yeah. Philadelphia with Billy C in them. I don't think they're better than the Bullets. No, no they, they, weren't. They, they weren't. They weren't. I think it, in, injuries played in a lot. Yeah, Gus – okay, here we go. Gus Johnson missed 16 games, and in those yeah. 16 games, they were 5-11 and 11 without him. So that's really 37-29 and 29 with Gus. And then they were they missed – Unsold for eight games. They were two and six without him and 40 and 34 with him. So just a couple of injuries probably caused it, but they finished 42 and 40 and met the Knicks for part three in the conference finals. And finally in game seven in New York, they get over the hump all season long guys. And this is the season I'm doing. And I'm talking about it. If you guys, by the time this is released, you'll have watched time machine episode five between the Knicks and bucks. I fully thought the Knicks and the bucks are going to play in the finals. Was that the perception at the time? Completely. Cause the bucks got moved to the East. I'm sorry. Bucks got moved to the West. Went west. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. I mean, it, it was, it was a foregone conclusion. Wow. So what went? So I, I want to hear from Doc's side first. What went so right that you got over the hump in the games on the road? And wasn't that a series where everybody won the home games, or was it not? You know what? Did they switch to? I think people didn't know. It went one game each. Yeah, alternate. Yeah, alternate, alternated, alternated yeah. games. It was crazy. Well, what? Once a lot of travel. Yeah. Well, it's easy travel, but it is. Yeah. But the, in '70, the Knicks won games one and two. Baltimore won three and four. The mm -hmm. Knicks won five, Baltimore won six, and the Knicks won seven. In 71, yep. same thing. Wow. The Knicks won the first two, Baltimore won three and four, Knicks win game five, Baltimore wins game six, we have game seven at home, so same thing's going to happen, doesn't happen. What, what went wrong? 
Jason, I'll let you handle this. Uh, there's no, I mean, there's no full games of this series, which sucks. Yeah, that, I mean, that really sucks. Uh, you know, I think part of it is, I think looking, I think the Bullets wanted it more. Mm-hmm. You know, they needed it. I mean, they needed to beat this team, and they knew they were right there. And they, they played us even, if not even a little bit better. They were close in the games in New York. We weren't that close in Baltimore. They were really good. And, yes, uh, they were. And, and ironically, Gus Johnson missed the first five games of the series. That's on. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah it was yeah, John he Tresvant. He wasn't fully healthy John, in the, in the Buck series, I know. No, John Tresvant um, yeah. played big. Yeah. Uh, and then and Fred Mad Dog Carter. Uh, who was a pretty crazy, interesting player. He played great that series. He was kind of the X factor. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, that dude was was a baller. I mean, he, he you talk about a guy diving on the floor. You know, he, he could he was a great athlete. I think they wanted it more. I think the Knicks kind of assumed that they would win. You know, at home um, after you won a title, and I think they were not complacent, but I think that they thought, oh, we'll pull it out, and they almost did. It, was, it came down to the last shot. It was a very close game. Um, Earl had a good game, uh, and then it came down to a two-point game, and the Knicks had the ball. And uh, they ran a play for Clyde, and the Bullets uh, snuffed it out. They knew what was coming, and Unsell jumped. And this is how good Unsell was. Unsell jumped out on Clyde, stopped him, and then Clyde passed it to Bill Bradley with a couple seconds left. And Bradley looked like he was open, right? But Unsell had he already sure did. over. Unsell, being an unbelievably smart player that he was, jumped out on Clyde. But as soon as Clyde made the pass, Unsell went with it. And Bradley only had time to catch it and shoot. He caught it, shot, and Unsell got it. He tipped it, game. So, uh, you know, I mean, I I can tell you this. I read, I went back and read a couple articles an hour or two ago about it. And they said that the Garden crowd was insane the first half and that the bullets kind of got taken out by the crowd a little bit they were a little skittish and the crowd was just nuts screaming defense and going crazy and at halftime they talked at halftime in the locker room and said look enough of this we've been through this before screw the crowd let's shut them up let's go out and do our thing start the third quarter strong shut the crowd up and and make it happen and they did and you got to give these guys unbelievable credit um absolutely Gus Johnson was hurt he yeah. was. It was John Tresma. Tresma. Um, I'll tell you something real quick. Earl Monroe said it um, in the locker room. And and even though there were injuries going into the Milwaukee series, the championship series, and I, and I, I still think Milwaukee wins. Milwaukee was a juggernaut. He yeah. said They were that probably relieved, felt, right, when, when the Bullets won? Oh, totally. Who's that? Yeah. I said they were probably yeah. relieved when the Bullets won. They were. They were. They say they wanted the Knicks, but they didn't want that smoke. Um, but <laughs> Earl Monroe, it's the truth. Earl Monroe said it in his in his autobiography. He said we felt like that was our championship, you know, beating the Knicks, you know. Yeah. So it was kind of a letdown going in. But I, I, what you were saying about Milwaukee, they they've said it for years. We wanted them. We wanted to get them back, and we had Oscar. No, you didn't, because you know what? You might not have gotten Oscar a ring. Yeah, yeah. It was more fights, like he said. Willis, yeah. Willis had a tough statistical series in that bullet well, series. Any, any context well, on that? Yeah, he was hurt. He, he was hurt a lot. He was really hurt. He had a really bad knee, and he had a sprained shoulder. Uh, he took a bunch of shots, again, you know, throughout the series, and he was banged up. He only averaged like 13 a game. That's what I'm saying, because um, in the season, he looks like insanely good. Like, I'm, I'm, you're going to have seen the episode. It's going to be – he's really good in the season. You know, again, but, I said this at the beginning. Injuries were a big deal in the NBA then because – 
you just didn't get over stuff. And, and Willis got banged up towards the end of the year, and he just had to fight through the playoffs. He played through it, uh, not going to take games off, and got shot up. And uh, I think the only really good game he played, big game, was game seven. He played well. Um, yeah. But he struggled for most of the series. And, I mean, when, when he's struggling, the Knicks are going to struggle because yeah. he's the key. He's the guy. He's was... the guy. And especially against Unseld and Gus Johnson, you got two of the strongest guys in the whole league there. Uh, you need Willis uh, alongside the Busher to battle them, and he was he was gimpy. So that's part yeah. of it, but that's part of the game. Let me ask you this before we ended off with the Monroe trade. Do you think just like Clyde, <laughs> if Clyde was healthy in the 69 Celtics series, what if? do you think if Willis was healthy, fully healthy, and playing like his regular season self from that season that the Knicks win and go back to the finals and play Milwaukee? I do. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit I'm a Knicks fan, but, yeah, I mean, I think we were the better team. Not by much. I mean, just by just by an inch. I think but you yeah, probably I think, were. I think if he's healthy, we we win that series. I think we definitely beat Milwaukee because again, it's a style thing. We were made. Yeah, that. yeah. Agree, one hundred fifty. That would have been so epic to watch them play in a full series with Oscar. That would have been so epic. And that's and that's Clyde against Oscar. I mean, that's what yeah. we needed to see right there because that's and Willis prime, and Kareem. Prime Clyde, you know, young prime Clyde coming up with the title, and then the old, you know, the old champion Oscar looking to get his first title. But that's what you know. That would have been unbelievable. But you know, it, you can want it, but it doesn't. It doesn't happen. So I mean, the um, Knicks. You know, the Knicks could have had. I mean, I always look at it this way. You look back, they could have won five in a row. And, easily, and, and they were lucky to get two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard yeah. to win. They well, Willis's Willis's injuries definitely contributed. This was the last good season, really all, superstar season we got out of Willis, which sucks. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because he was so banged up, it just yes, Fabian, you, know, you just didn't get over it. No, maybe Dr. Hawk can speak to this is 71, and they, they beat the Knicks in the garden, right, game seven? Yeah. yeah. So let's finish it off. The craziest thing happens in this offseason of 71. Unbelievable. The, the guy that spearheads the bullets, the man himself, Earl the Pro Monroe, gets – so how did that even happen? Why do you want to leave? How, like, you, I need some context on all this. Because he just he made the finals. He has a great team. Like, what do you guys uh, – yeah. let me know. Yeah, Doc, you – why did he Con- want out? Con- contract, man. Money, uh, cash rules everything around me. Money, you know. Bullets um, didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to pay their franchise they, player. They, they, they had, they had talked. They had been going back and forth. I think his agent was Larry Fleischer, um, and Larry Fleischer always did the right thing. I'm gonna give you something. Uh, I'm gonna give you something to chew on here. He trusted Larry Fleischer so much, and he knew that Larry Fleischer would give him the right deal. That when he went to New York, he drove up to New York from Philly in his Rolls Royce. He didn't know how much money the contract was going to be worth. So the contract, initial contract with the Knicks was three hundred thousand um, for for two years, so one fifty one fifty a year. He didn't know that. He just knew Larry was going to take care of me. Um, and of course, I think we've discussed before. He also considered the ABA. With, right. with with Indiana until you know he loved the guys he uh, he, he loved slick but then he knew about the, the the KKK history and the brothers you know after one game when you went to see him play everybody had guns at the top of the yeah, line get me the, get me the hell up out of here but, um, <laughs> but he did also admit that in his opinion at that time um he still thought of the NBA as the more competitive league but after he looked around and, and met Roger Brown and guys like that he said I can do this but back to Washington, I mean, back to Baltimore and him going up to New York, it was the money. But initially, he was very. Oh, 
the enemy. Mm -hmm. How the hell do I go over and play with the enemy? And then with the press coming in, well, how are you going to play with two balls on the court? That's Clyde's ball and this, that, and the other. And he had a conversation with a guy named Sonny Hill. Um, Sonny Hill ran the Baker League. That was Earl Summer League, which was Legendary, about to yeah. the Rucker. Um, and he said, well, he said, you know, basically, Sonny asked him man to man. He said, how are you going to do this? He said, you're Black Jesus. You're Earl Monroe. He said, you ain't going to pull that in New York. He said, are you going to be able to deal with it? And he said to Sonny, he said, I'm a basketball player. He said, I believe in the science of the game and I can make it work. This is Earl, quote from Earl. At that point, Sonny says, I think you're ready to go to New York. And the rest is history. And I think when he went to New York, still a little skittish and apprehensive, having a panic, panic attack on the way into the hotel. When he gets in the locker room, nobody says a word. And then the busher comes over and breaks the ice. And then after that, the rest is history. Wow. So my question is, what did the Knicks have that was enticing to the Bullets to send him there? I think it was the contractual issue. It was, it was, yeah, not much. I mean, I think we saw yeah. Mike Reardon. Yeah, they get and scared, Reardon and Mike Reardon, yeah. Dave Stallworth. And money. Yeah, and, yeah money. and money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember in those days, and again, for context for people, in those days, prior to the ABA, prior to the existence of the ABA, so up until 67, you took what they gave you. That's how contracts were done. You get $15,000 and you say, okay, thank you. You have a good year. You go in and the guy says, all right, we're going to give you 18. That's it. There was, you didn't, there was no agents. There was very little negotiating. Did the Bullets uh, think that they were handing the Knicks a title? Um, you know, again, money is such a big thing. They were a struggling franchise, and they, they really couldn't afford Earl. Earl deserved more than he had on his contract, and the ABA was in existence. So now you had an option for the players, finally, to get paid what they deserved. And so Earl used the ABA as leverage, which a lot of guys did, and Baltimore made him an offer that I think he felt was insulting and, and not near what he could get, and I think – like Doc said, his agent told him, oh, yeah, we can do way better than that. So if you're willing to leave, you got to be willing to leave. Willing to leave. Yeah, we went to the finals, you know, but um, if you're willing to leave, yeah, you can get way more money than that. And Earl, like most athletes, like, look, pay me what I deserve. I'm a top eight player in the league. I need mm, to absolutely. Way. And, he, and he was. And I got to tell you, as a Knicks fan, that was an unbelievably controversial trade because – Earl was considered a one-on-one -on -one player. Yes. And, and he was. Um, now, I did read one of the articles. The Knicks, at the end of the 71 game seven, in the locker room were saying that they thought the reason the Bullets beat them is because Earl started passing the ball. Mm. The, the reason they beat us this series is we, Earl used to be like, you know he's going to shoot. Now, he beat one guy and he passed. And he became a much more difficult player to, to deal with. Um, but the image was he's a one-on-one -on -one guy. And so the idea of him with the ultimate team where, you know, share the ball, find the open man, that was the whole Nick thing, was like, what are they doing? And it didn't work the first year. It did not but work. they still made it to the finals, right? But they had a great team. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to make it really far. Mm. And, and, uh, and Earl got exposed in the finals by Gail Goodrich. He did. Me. He did. Uh, because Earl was still trying to figure it out. You got to remember, this is taking a guy who's a superstar scorer, and now he's got to fit in and figure it out and pass the ball and only gets 12 shots a game, not 25. And it's a whole different ball game. And to his credit, and I really didn't think he would do it. I, I admit, as a kid, I thought, no, 
he turned it around, figured it out, and and he took it to Goodrich in '73. Yes, he was did. He yeah. Was he frustrated in '72, like that season? V- very frustrated. Yeah, okay. I was about to say. Uh, very frustrated. And, and the Knicks fans were frustrated with him. He was frustrated with him. Um, he and Clyde apparently had no problems ever, and I give both of them a lot of credit for that. Uh, they were good, but you know he had to figure it out and it took yeah. a year but then they, that, they got it done in 73 which is awesome so this is a little different than the wall bellamy willis reed uh conflict oh. not conflict but the two guys that seem to be playing the same position right because now you've won already you're a championship contender every year and now we have to make a decision because this means championship or not not we're just a floundering expansion team at this point yeah i mean that the the knicks uh yeah i mean they they went for it um you know, Barnett was older. That was part of it. Um, but uh, it was a risky move, and it was risky for Earl. That, that was one of the biggest trades in NBA history. Um, no doubt. It was, and especially hadn't these teams haven't played three years in a row against each other. We yeah. couldn't believe. We I, can't, believe I couldn't believe it when I heard it. <laughs> well, we're like, what? Earl Monroe's on the Knicks? What? Earl Monroe's the, the enemy, man. That's the guy we've had to beat for three years. That's the guy Clyde has to play and try, and he still beats Clyde. And he's the only guy Clyde can't guard. It was like, that's Earl Monroe, man. How's he going to be on the Knicks? It was Earl, crazy. Earl stated um, publicly that the only guy that he the, – the guy that he was most relieved, even, even beyond Clyde, he didn't expect to have an issue with Clyde. Um, the guy that he was most relieved accepted him right away was Dick Barnett. He said because Dick was getting older – but Earl actually told Holtzman, hey, um, I'm okay with coming off the bench at first. He said, because I'm sore. I can't have another operation. Um, Holtzman yeah, told him, hey, we need you out there because Reed's already hurt. And he said, okay. He said, play me slowly at first. But he thought that Barnett might have an issue. Um, and Barnett did not, you know, at least to where it got out in the press. And he said, and him and Dean Meminger, they were tight, the best of friends from the beginning. Dean was new. And um, it's, so it worked out pretty well. So was Earl – you said Earl was injured when he first came to New York? Earl was yeah. already – already had knee problems. And oh, he yeah, you're right. Problems he's, he's been having those knee arthritis since, like, his rookie year, right? Yeah. He had okay. bone spurs as well on his feet, and that's what he told he, – he told Red Holtzman, I need a little – ease me into this, he said, mm. because I don't want to have to have surgery. You know? Makes sense. This, this sounds like if, if Kyrie Irvin joined the Golden State Warriors like five <laughs> years ago, <laughs> or if or if CP3 went to the Golden State Warriors a couple of years back, he's at these at the guard position a one on more like Kyrie Irving because he's a one on one player. Can uh-huh. you mix with this team? Can ball? you mix? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Kyrie's a, a, an interesting comp for Earl, um, mm. like un, unstoppable one on one player with the best handle in the league. That was Earl, and mm. that was Kyrie, right? Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're an interesting not not in any other way, but in yeah. that way. No, right, in, right. They're a very interesting comp, um, but it, it was Earl was uh, that was just crazy. I, you can't imagine how nuts that was that he came to the next. I mean, he was yeah. enemy number one, no doubt. No and so doubt. we'll see how how it all plays out as as the timeline continues. But I want to thank you guys so much for all the knowledge that was spit today. This was amazing. I hope you guys made it to the end of the video that are still watching. If you are, that means you really love the NBA and you love its history. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, let them know, everybody, let them know where they can find you on Twitter, social media, because um, these guys talk to me in uh, the Twitter spaces all the time. So uh, start with Fabian, and I'll go to Jason, and then uh, end it with Doc. Well, Fabian Perspective TV, you can always catch me on Dime Droppers channel. Jason? Uh, it's Jason1118 uh, on, on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, where, where you can catch me. 
And uh, yeah, that was a pleasure to do this. Appreciate I, I, it. I, th I thank Dime for, and I've told him this before, but you're the kind of guys we need, both of you guys. We need, you know, younger people who love the game, but also want to see where the game came from and how the game evolved. I look at the game as evolving. You know, it's all, Gus Johnson, we talked about, he was like part of the game evolving. He was the LeBron physically of his time. There had never been anybody like him. After him, kind of George McGinnis was the next guy, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit better with the ball. The game evolves. And it's helpful and more interesting to know where it came from. Definitely. So you can put guys in context and say, well, okay, so this guy's like that guy, and that guy's like that guy. And that's the first ball handler was Earl Monroe. Okay, and first Koozie, then Monroe. Then you go from there and you kind of go up the ladder, and now you got Steph and Kyrie, and it makes more sense. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I thank you for, for putting this together and, and having me and Doc do it. We have fun. And, and uh, yeah, this was great. Brings back some unbelievable memories because, boy, that, that's what got me going in basketball was having this – really was this – Rivalry because when the we Knicks were when the Knicks were feared. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what a drought, right? Soon, yeah. Yo, Jason, soon come. Don't let this guy talk like that. He's very excited about this Clippers team. He still has to be healthy, Jason. <laughs> but you know, again, we talked about injuries this whole hour, right? Injuries right. are so important. The Clippers' whole season is about injuries. It is. I mean, Doc. Yeah, I'm on the Baltimore uh, side. I love it. Yeah, man. Hey, uh, first of all, first and foremost, as Jason said, we appreciate this 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 opportunity to speak, and always appreciative of the young dudes who, you know, like yourself, man. You're growing. Um, you and Fab, you know, you you know your stuff already, but it's nice that you want to know about this history of the game. It is important. Um, I give most I give much respect to the legends, um, and like I said, I look forward to doing stuff like this. You know, my schedule's hectic. You know, like I said, I'm in a car right now most of the time. If I'm even sometimes when I'm in uh, surgery, when I finish the end of the day, sometimes I'm able to get on and talk with you guys. But anytime I can get on, I'm willing to do that. Um, I can be uh, on social media. I'm on at, at MD Hawk. I think it's on the screen it on is. Twitter. Um, that's about the only thing I do um, as far as social media. And that's enough for me. Um, I am getting ready to drop a piece within the next uh, week and a half or so on Oscar Robertson. Speaking of the speaking of the old school guys, and it brings in the significance um, of of how important he is to the game today. It's not just about stats. When I write any article, I'm not going to sit there and write anything about well, so and so averaged 25 a game, and that's why you should love him. Usually, I'm writing about somebody who has some social significance, and he certainly did more Absolutely. than what people understand. So, yeah. appreciate yeah, you guys so much. Appreciate like, you guys like, so much. Yeah, I like to toot, I like to toot my own horn, but I also like <laughs> to give give props to people. I'm not not no disrespect to any one of us here, but Doctor Hawk said I get out of surgery sometimes and just talk basketball on Twitter Spaces, just rattling off. If it, that was crazy, <laughs> I was just holding a knife <laughs> five minutes ago, but I got time to talk about Michael Jordan for a couple seconds. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he hold, well, he doesn't hold the knife. He's not a knife. No, guy, I, I, right? I, I put folks to sleep, man. Yeah. Oh right, right, right. You just—he's he's like a great—he's like a great fighter. He knocks guys out. He's a jab. Yeah, wake him up, though. <laughs> uh, I appreciate everybody. Make sure you guys let me know what you thought of the video and everything. Make sure to comment on it and like it, and let us know what you thought. Appreciate everybody, and have a great day. Thanks. All right, take care, fellas. Talk take soon, care, everybody. Definitely. Yeah.